0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.03 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 21st of May 2021. This is episode 423 of Bitcoin and are we dead yet? No, because Bitcoin didn't die. however, this it's it's on. And we all knew that we all knew this time was coming. Coordinated high dollar social attacks through media and government announcements and billionaires all coordinated together to bring the fud. We shall see what shakes out of this shit, won't we? I got an idiot in my freaking... Min- notifications on Twitter. Oh God, this dude is just pissing me off, man. Uh, I got him muted, so I can't really see. I, I, I guess I should unmute him. But he was saying basically that, oh no, ev- all the mining is, is in China and now it's all, it's all going away and now the network is going to get attacked. Ladies and gentlemen, let me remind you that at 50 exahashes a second, at 50, this is one of the most secure networks on the planet. At 35 exahashes per second, it's one of the most secure networks on the face of the planet. All right, we're gonna get into the China FUD, I guarantee it, but I just gotta vent just a little bit because this shit is just over the top. And it's almost fucking embarrassing. I mean, I got Greenpeace made the announcement that they're not gonna take Bitcoin because of the energy usage. Oh, fucking please. You do have any idea how much fuel Greenpeace burns in a year for those ships of theirs, the ships that actually don't do anything. Do you realize that Greenpeace hasn't been a thing for 20 years? The last time that they actually had any real traction in the world about environmental issues was in the 70s and coming up into the 80s. After that, dude, green nobody gave shit one about Greenpeace. Yet all of a sudden, oh my god, Greenpeace is not taking Bitcoin anymore. You know what I didn't realize? I didn't even realize that that uh Greenpeace even took Bitcoin. That's how off the radar they are. Man, see all this shit? This shit's coordinated. And again, You, you got, if you're, if you're a newbie to the space, let me explain this to you. We all knew this was coming years ago. We saw it would ramp up and then ramp back down, ramp up and ramp back down. But now I think what we've got on our hands is a full blown, coordinated, multi-billion dollar attack on the network. And this is the only attack they can perform that would have Any chance of success. What's going to happen is that first, your your bags of things that are not Bitcoin are going to get destroyed. All right. Second, Ethereum is not going to go away. I don't like it. I hate the fucking network. However, it's not going to go away. You got to stop fooling yourself into thinking Ethereum is going away. I am not buying Ethereum. I don't believe in what they're doing. All they're going to end up with is another banking system. That's it. We were after freedom. We were after sovereignty. If you were just in it only for the money, there's other ways to make money. The world is at a crossroads one more time. It's always at a crossroads, it seems, but I feel that this one... It's not that this time it's different. It's that this time the crossroads isn't a couple of country roads. It's 50 lane highways that are converging upon each other going in opposite directions or, or rather at 90 degrees to each other. We're talking about like 150, let's say 200 lanes of traffic are converging and humans have, have a, a way to go. And then humans have another way to go, and it depends on if you want tyranny or sovereignty. And Bitcoin is freedom money. Ethereum is going to be banker money. You just got to fi- you just got to figure that out. Ethereum's not going away, but for the rest of the shit coins, they're probably all going to get just blown up on this entire thing. <clears throat> now, given all that. Let's get into this first piece, which was kind of fun to see, was the spat between Michael Saylor and Elon Musk, where Elon gave, you know, basically replied to, to uh, Michael Saylor something snide and and sni- sn- snooty. Again, Michael Saylor to that reply replies the following: Bitcoin is electric money. Real cars use more electricity than toy cars. The article above is full of logical errors and falsehoods. Bitcoin is the most efficient technology for converting energy into prosperity we have yet to devise. All right, well, that's, that's, your typical, that's your typical sailor spiel. What was interesting about it is that that Michael Saylor tweet just ratioed the fuck out of Elon Musk to the point that Elon Musk deleted the original insult tweet and then had the unmitigated audacity to reply to Michael Saylor's tweet that buried the original tweet that Elon the coward had to actually (laughs) obliterate. Man, billionaire fights are weird. I'm just gonna say that. There is just, it just seems like it's a different tone altogether. So anyway, (laughs) now, Since Elon Musk is is apparently trying to plant his flag permanently into Bitcoin's history, much like all the other clowns have, and we're soon forgotten about, uh, he's weighing into the block size debate. Yay, we get another block size debate, oh boy. Yay, coindesk.com. And who's it from? It's from Jamie Crawley. Headlines reads, Elon Musk says Lightning Network needed to scale Bitcoin for now, okay? to hold hold your horses here. Elon Musk has jumped into the Bitcoin scaling debate on Twitter saying that the layer 2 payments lightning network is needed for now. Quote Layer count. This is from this is from Elon. Layer count depends on projected bandwidth and compute, both rising rapidly, which means single layer network e.g. Bitcoin alone can carry all human transactions in the future in my opinion. I'm going to pause there to let, let let you think about that, especially if you're an old timer in the space. Who does that sound like? It sounds like Roger Ver. That's who it sounds like. In fact, it is exactly what Roger Ver said. That layers are not needed, and that because bandwidth is coming up, then we could, you know, we will be able to scale the blocks up. This is not okay. Well, technically, it's true. We could. It's just not a good idea. I've said this many times and I'll say it again here. No matter how much compute and no matter how much bandwidth, the block sizes should always remain relatively much lower relative to compute power and bandwidth. Why? Because smaller blocks are much harder to detect, block, track, somehow manipulate, and like getting, being able to squeeze through the cracks of the great firewall of China is one of the blessings of a smaller block size. You start throwing gigabyte blocks up there, and then all of a sudden a couple of things happen. I'm not going to be able to afford the computer to run a full node that helps secure the transactional side and the routing side of the network. All right. Now that puts all, that ends up leveraging all the powers that split between miners, developers, and node runners and users. Okay, we'll say four camps. That takes the node runners completely out of the picture and throws it into miners basically because they're the only ones that are gonna be able to scale that up. So that puts two pieces of the pie squarely in the sector of one person or one, one sector. This is not good. And I could, I could go on. I won't, but you got, you got to understand that just because you can do a thing, it does not necessarily follow that. You must do that thing. It is a logical fallacy to think that just because you can, that you should, and you will. For some people, I know, I know that's hard to kind of grasp, but it's the God's honest truth. I can go do all kinds of shit. I'm not going to go do it because it is either immoral, unethical, or is fairly dangerous. Increasing the block size, especially right now, is extraordinarily dangerous. They need to be light, nimble, and fast. And when I mean fast, I mean just being able to get over the network. Not I'm not talking about the mining, you know, mining a block every, you know, 10 minutes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the block's propagation throughout the network that is the most is one of the most important pieces of the puzzle. So that's one of the reasons why, and that's my main reason why we keep block sizes small, even though we could. And the second main reason is I need to be able to run a node so that all the power isn't just back in the hands of Bank of America or Chinese miners that everybody's so scared of. I don't even know why people are scared of Chinese miners. I mean, it's, it's they're just trying to make a buck, man. Anyway, so, anyway, so Elon goes on. He says, basically, he's saying that until then, however, lightning will be necessary to provide the required bandwidth, he argued, bandwidth. This has, that has nothing to do with bandwidth. It has to do with being able to run transactions and then offload all those transactions basically into one final transaction when you close your channel to the blockchain or to Bitcoin's blockchain, Elon does not understand a single thing about Bitcoin. You have to get that through your head. He may be a billionaire. He may send rockets to space. He may have electric cars. He may have invented or uh, helped co-design PayPal and release it to the world, but he doesn't understand anything about this space. When you get that through your head and you realize, wow, billionaires aren't exactly all that smart. No, they're not. Some of them are. Some of them are extraordinarily brilliant. Others just are scam masters, and Elon is one of them. The Lightning Network is a layer atop Bitcoin blockchain designed to enable faster and cheaper transactions by enabling user-generated channels for sending and receiving payments. Musk has also been responding to a Twitter discussion about Bitcoin's energy usage, the reason cited for Tesla's recent U-turn on accepting the cryptocurrency as a method of payment. He proposed that the top... 10 mining organization post audits of the amount of renewable energy used in their operations as one way to tackle the issue. How are they not going to lie about it? I'm serious. How are they not? How do you know they're not just going to straight up lie to your ass and say, okay, Elon, here's our audit. And it's like, you know, a scotch stained bar napkin with like a picture of a fucking doge on it. Here's our audit, bitch. I mean, honestly, miners have better things to do with their time right now the ones in china are are moving their miners to a different province we'll get into that one later but now we've we've heard about elon stopping you know the payments for tesla with bitcoin and now greenpeace and all their infinite wisdom has stopped taking bitcoin because of energy concerns we have another one but it's much funner than than bitcoin EasyDNS.com. Uh, has been taking cryptocurrency payments of various types of cryptocurrency for years. I mean, years, like six or seven, possibly. Uh, so you can get a domain name through DNS and pay with Bitcoin or Litecoin or Ethereum. Um, and they used to take Doge, but not anymore. Here we go. We've been proponents of the crypto economy for a long time from being the first ICANN registrar to accept Bitcoin as a payment, the first DNS provider to enable Ethereum name services linking to .xyz domains, and we were keeping Bitcoin on our balance sheet before it was even cool. We're probably still the only tech company that has both cryptocurrencies and precious metals on our balance sheet, A few weeks ago, we announced we were adding Doge as a payment method. We hoped this would be another of the crypto themed japes we've pulled over the years, including such favorites as quote, pay with Bitcoin or the dog gets it and our now legendary doxing of Satoshi Nakamoto. In other words, it was supposed to be a joke. Since then, we got a fair amount of social media lols, incessant at EZDNS on Twitter, and more than a few people asking us how many retweets it will take to get EZDNS to add, quote, insert shitcoin here, in quote support. The entire mania around Doge took a turn for the weird when Elon Musk decided to stop uh, taking Bitcoin as payment at Tesla for embarrassingly, embarrassingly uninformed ideological reasons and threw his weight fully behind Dogecoin. Apparently, he's been involved with it since 2019 to mitigate any risk. This is the important part. To mitigate any risk that our accepting Dogecoin, even in some small way, feeds into the misconception that Doge is some viable alternative to Bitcoin, we have dropped Doge support. Since we announced it, we received exactly one payment in Dogecoin. That was from a lifetime customer of EasyDNS who just did it to mess with our heads. Thank you, Tony. Mission accomplished. To contrast we do receive other cryptocurrency payments every day, all day, bitcoin, ethereum and litecoin. We have been doing this for years and as a tech infrastructure supplier watching this transaction flow helps us develop some sense for the pulse of a given crypto ecosystem. Bitcoin and ethereum are the real deal and they're here to stay. Okay, that's their their words. I know I was talking about ethereum before, but they're saying it too and this is one of the things that's informing me about why my my that my framing of the fact that As shitty as it is, Ethereum is not going to go away. When we dropped Bitcoin Cash after they fork-bombed themselves into irrelevance and we replaced it with Litecoin, we immediately saw activity there too. Transactions started coming in for projects within the ecosystem and it became apparent very quickly that here was another crypto with legs. These real cryptos uh, will provide the tools and the means for ordinary citizens and forward-thinking organizations to protect themselves in an era that will be defined by and remembered for staggering government incompetence and widespread institutional failure. Yay, Doge, by contrast, is a speculative joke and a meme coin. That's it, nobody is using Doge other than to sell it to each other, hoping for number go up. Anybody watching how Elon Musk conducts himself over the years, We'll have few doubts that after number go up enough for him to perhaps book another phantasmagorical pro forma earnings beat with one of his profitless companies, he will trash Doge too. Like one of those SNL skits that goes on too long, far beyond the point where it stopped being funny, which is nearly all of them. The Doge joke isn't funny anymore. Honestly, that's one of the best takes of this entire shit show. That I have is coming out of Easy DNS. I'm just saying, man. <laughs> okay, so Compass joins the Texas Blockchain Council as the newest member. Uh, this was from uh, amazingly from Yahoo Finance. Uh, Zach Vowell is the content director for uh, Compass Mining. Uh, .io. so he's writing this one. Compass Mining, the world's first online marketplace for Bitcoin mining hardware and hosting today, announces its membership of the Texas Blockchain Council. TBC launched in November of 2020 with the goal of growing the cryptocurrency industry's presence in Texas and educating the state legislatures on how to craft a policy that best accelerates this growth. Bitcoin mining in particular has seen rapid growth in Texas. That's where they're all going to go, guys. They're going to come here and we're going to let them. You know why? Because Texas has a history of saying, fuck it, let's do it. Anyway, Bitcoin mining in particular has seen rapid growth in Texas for the past few years and TBC wants to work with local lawmakers to continue that trend. TBC is a nonprofit trade association with over two dozen members, including Unchained Capital, Cormit Data, and Argo Blockchain. Quote, the importance of the Texas Blockchain Council's work cannot be understated. Educating Texan legislatures on the complexities of the Bitcoin mining industry and helping build Texas into a home for mining is a mission Compass wholeheartedly supports. Our entire team is excited to join the council's efforts, said Whit Gibbs, co-founder and CEO of Compass. Many Compass miners already call Texas home with hundreds of machines hosted in facilities throughout the state. The Compass team is eager to work with TBC and its members as vocal advocates for understanding Bitcoin mining promotion or promoting cryptocurrency innovation to make Texas an even more inviting destination for miners. Quote, Wit, Gibbs and the entire Compass mining team are outspoken advocates for the cryptocurrency mining industry and they work tirelessly to make mining accessible to retail clients. We are proud to have Compass as a strategic partner and to work alongside them to educate lawmakers and the public about this industry," said Lee Bratcher, president of the Texas Blockchain Council. Uh, so there you go, Compass Mining and Zach, Zach Voll is getting into the Texas uh, uh, legislative, uh, you know, education initiative, and you know, just to kind of reiterate, it is not like Texas is going to have to fight very hard for miners who are thinking about, oh, I don't know, regulatory arbitrage. Why? Well, we'll get into it later because that's the basis of a lot of the China FUD that we're being hit with right now. But if Governor Abbott and the rest of the Texas legislature, if they want to secure Texas's place as a potential country of its own, we already have the seventh largest GDP of any nation in the world, or eighth, depending on what poll you read, We are, honestly, I've said it before, Texas needs to leave the United States. And if it did, I would, I guarantee you, I would be the, I'd be the first one to say, I'm staying right here. I'm sick of the United States. I'm sick of what they do. I'm sick of it all. Because the United States is no longer Americans. Americans. The Americans got left behind when mass when mass media became a 24-hour news cycle with the addition of CNN. That's when all this re- that's when all this real bullshit happened was the installation of CNN. And at that point all you the uh, America turned into nothing but what the fuck was going on in Washington DC. How is that America? How is that anywhere close to America? It's nothing but whether they're Democrat, whether they're Republicans, libertarians never get mentioned anyway. So fuck them, right? It, it, it's only about politics and what's going on. Who's the lobbyist and what the FDA is doing. And I, and now the whole COVID thing, and there's nothing about, I haven't heard shit come out of, I'm sure some things about f- f- have happened to Americans in Kansas. And you haven't heard a damn thing about it, have you? Probably not because we're not focused on Americans anymore. That's why America is already dead. You just don't know it yet. The United States is dead. We let it die because we were so wrapped up in our own little fucking worlds all the goddamn time that we couldn't see it. We couldn't see that it was on life support. We couldn't see that its blood pressure was dropping. We were too distracted by all the bullshit the continual drug commercials after every 15-minute news cycle. Because it's not a 24-hour news cycle anymore, guys. It's a four-hour cycle. And we're in the middle of ours anyway. So let's move on to more news. (laughs) U.S. wants to require that large Bitcoin transactions are reported to IRS. Yeah, I ain't going to be taking part in that, so you can screw right off there. Bitcoin Magazine's Peter Chihuahua has it. This is part of the FUD, by the way. A tax enforcement proposal from the Biden administration would compel businesses accepting Bitcoin transactions of more than $10,000 to report them to the Internal Revenue Service. Okay, so why is this FUD? I'm not even going to read the rest of the report. We don't need it. Um, This is FUD because guess what? You were going to have to do that shit anyway. (laughs) You know, I'm not partaking in in it because like if I'm going to, if I move $10,000 from one wallet to another, I'm not talking to the IRS. I don't need to. They want they want to be able to tax the business on their income. That shit was always gonna happen. And yet the way it's being presented is to scare the piss out of you so that you go and try, if Coinbase is up and running, to sell your coin. They want you to get rid of it. Why? Because institutions are buying the living shit out of it. Why? Well, we have this one. Wells Fargo unveils crypto strategy after all. This is from BlockWorks. Now, yesterday morning, I touched on it a little bit, but I was running out of time. But I feel that it's important enough to come back and revisit. Wells Fargo Investment Institute, which went public with its new crypto strategy today, one of the most volatile days for cryptocurrencies in recent months. According to the insider interview with Wells Fargo Investment Institute President Daryl Cronk, the bank will offer a professionally managed solution to its wealthy clients in mid-June. Yeah, if you're just a poor, broke little son of a bitch, you don't get to partake in this. America is dead. The United States is dead. And most of it is because of shit like this. Because not only do they confuse you and distract you, they keep you poor because you're not an, an accredited investor. Now you're just some schmo, dude. That's what they think about you. In a special report on the investment rationale for cryptocurrencies, the bank said, we believe that cryptocurrencies have, been, have evolved into a viable investment asset. There are over 9,000 cryptocurrencies. <laughs> it's all shit, dude. With $2.4 trillion in capitalization as of May 7th, 2021, and this depth and breadth allows additional analysis of their trends. Oh, data construction, yay. Short-term factors suggest further deepening of the markets. We believe long-term supply and demand trends support further industry growth, the potential for further compression in price volatility, and a possible role as a portfolio diversifier. Today's news is directly opposite to what John LaForge, head of Real Asset Strategy for Wells Fargo Investment Institute, told media attending a 2021 outlook briefing in December. Then the bank said its analysts did not have a crypto recommendation and that its clients could not hold crypto at Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo joins Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, BNY Mellon, and JP Morgan as one of the big names in finance that have recently announced plans to expand its digital asset investment vehicle and services. Here we come to the crux of the FUD. Timing is everything. However, the bank's news dropped on one of the most volatile days and weeks for cryptocurrencies in recent months. Some attribute the plummet to Elon Musk's U-turn of allowing Bitcoin for Tesla purchases last week. And when, then they described the plummeting of 30%, blah, blah, blah. So how is it how does that work into the FUD? They needed the market to get liquid so they could buy Bitcoin. So they a lot they knew all that news was going to come out, and they were just waiting because when that news dropped, it was like almost, almost, almost at the bottom of the major dip yesterday. Okay. What were they doing? They were buying the coins that you got scared out of because of the FUD. This is how this shit works. The accredited investors, they don't panic sell. That's why they can be accredited investors. And all that means is that you got a million dollars or so. They don't panic sell. And they're making the, they're they're trying everything they can to make the pleb class just continuously be poor because they, they gatekeep investments with the accredited tag, right? They, they use the fact that, that we are just locked to screens and Twitter and Facebook and every restaurant, every, almost every restaurant in the world now, but at least in the United States has a television and guess what that television is tuned to? A major news network. Every doctor's office has a TV in it. Guess what it's tuned to? one of at least one of every major news network it's either on MSNBC, CNBC, C you know, ABC, NBC, you know, CBS, you name it but it's just flat out pure news cycle. Why do you think that is? Now, I'm not going to suggest that the doctors offices got a phone call from the government that says, "Hey, you got to do this." No, it's much more insidious than that because it's sort of like hive mind thought. But think about it. Start looking around, you look where the TVs are go to the grocery store. And if your grocery store has like a hot food area and a little seating area, there's a TV there. What channel is it tuned to? Yeah, you do some checking, get back with me, see what you find out. Okay, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger don't understand Bitcoin. No, they don't. No, they don't. Uh, Let's see how long, okay, this one isn't isn't too long. So, have you ever noticed people who criticize Bitcoin possess one of two key characteristics? One, they don't understand at all what Bitcoin is or why it has value and or two, Bitcoin's success threatens their wealth in the fiat system. Without fail, you can categorize 98% of Bitcoin criticism into these two categories and it's really quite astonishing. By the way, this is written by Drew McMartin for Bitcoin Magazine. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger publicly criticized Bitcoin at the recent annual Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting. Buffett is the fifth richest person in the world with a net worth of $105 billion. Charlie Munger is also a fiat billionaire with a net worth of over $2 billion in USD terms. Buffett is the chairman and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, and Munger is the vice chairman. Both Buffett and Munger can easily be classified as two of the most successful investors in the last 50 years. When they talk, people listen, and for good reason. They are obviously good investors. Yeah, they they actually are, but not for the new world, for the old world. (laughs) Continuing, being among the richest people on the planet tends to give you credibility in that way. Having said that, Buffett and Munger are dead wrong about Bitcoin. During Berkshire Hathaway's annual shareholder meeting this weekend, Munger criticized Bitcoin by stating, quote, of course I hate the Bitcoin success, nor do I just, or nor do I like just shuffling out a few extra billions and billions of dollars to somebody who invented a new financial product out of thin air. To me, this quote is very telling. One, it illustrates both a lack of understanding of what Bitcoin is, and two, a reluctance or anger to have to adopt a new financial model. Now, <clears throat> let me pause right there for just a second. When all the fork wars were going on that were coming out of the, the, uh, the block size debate in 2016, 2017, I had a very, very similar argument style as what Charlie Munger was saying, um, is that... I felt bad for all the wallet developers, like at places like Ledger and Trezor and all the exchanges, because after a new fork would come out, somebody somewhere had to build a wallet for their exchange or for their hardware wallets that they had sold to people. You had to do it because you were gonna get your ass sued into the ground if you didn't, because some, some silly son of a bitch out there was going to be yelling and hammering on ledger for where, you know, how come I can't get my Bitcoin gold, bitches? That was a thing. And there was a lot of time wasted. So I, I get where Charlie Munger's coming from, but he is also dead wrong about Bitcoin. Quote, of course, I hate the Bitcoin success, end quote, is a particularly strange choice of words. Why the hate? What has Bitcoin ever done to you? My interpretation, Munger has become a billionaire in USD terms and does not want to all of a sudden have to switch his unit of account. Simply put, Munger is hesitant to adopt the Bitcoin standard as he would go from one of the world's wealthiest in USD to owning zero Bitcoin. I liken Munger's comments to someone who has been playing a sport his entire life. Munger and Buffett have been two of the best at their sport for decades. Suddenly, 13 years ago, the rules of the sport changed, i.e. Bitcoin. But nobody told Munger or explained why. Today, Munger looks around and there is now a lot of new people playing the same sport as him, but only playing it better because the new rules say so. For Munger, recognizing Bitcoin's success would directly devalue the USD. He sees Bitcoin as a threat to the wealth he and Buffett have made in fiat terms. When people either feel threatened by Bitcoin or do not understand Bitcoin or both, they tend to lash out negatively and very publicly. It's human nature. We mock what we do not understand and we fight when we feel threatened. Why does Munger feel threatened by Bitcoin? Because five of Berkshire Hathaway's top 12 investments based on the percentage of portfolio allocation are banks, or directly related to fiat financing based on Berkshire Hathaway's latest 13F filings. Based on percentage of portfolio allocation, those companies are as follows. Apple, Bank of America, Coca-Cola, American Express, Kraft Heinz, Verizon Communications, Moody's, U.S. Bank Corp, Chevron Corporation, DeVita, Charter Communications, and Bank of New York Mellon Group. Almost a quarter of Berkshire's 12 top holdings, right? Let alone their entire portfolio allocation are invested in either a bank, a credit card company, or a financial services company, which provides investors with credit ratings, risk analysis, and research for stocks, bonds, and government entities. They hold 11.35% of Bank of America. Not, They don't own 11.35% of Bank of America. That's just how much of their allocation to Bank of America is, and that's a lot of money. So in fiat dollar terms, that, that is a six, $65.28 billion USD invested toward fiat financial services continuing to excel. All right. $65.28 billion is invested in banks and credit card companies and other financial services. And it's worth $65.28 billion. That's a quarter of what's they, what, what they've allocated. Okay, keep that in mind. Based on this portfolio allocation, does this seem like a company which stands to gain or lose wealth through the adoption of a new financial system? Based on Berkshire Hathaway's investments, does Bitcoin as an accepted unit of wealth help? Of course not. Berkshire stands to lose wealth with Bitcoin success. Based on the amount of capital that Buffett, Munger, and Berkshire have invested in the fiat monetary system, do their negative comments on Bitcoin surprise me? Not at all. Frankly, if they had come out in support of Bitcoin with that much exposure to fiat financial services, I would have been shocked. My guess is so, too, would their shareholders. This past February, if I had bet $65.28 billion on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl, do you think I would be cheering for the Kansas City Chiefs to get a first down? Heck no. Don't tell me where your priorities are. Show me where you spend your money and I will tell you what they are." Quote by James W. Wick. The next time you read a negative comment towards Bitcoin, ask yourself, what do they have to stand or what do they stand to lose with Bitcoin success? And the answer is always very telling. Quote, I'll miss a lot of things that I don't feel I understand well enough. And there is no penalty in investing if you don't swing at the ball that's in the strike zone as long as you swing at something at some point. We will try to stay within our circle of competence and Charlie and I generally agree on where that circle ends. We'll try to stay within our circle of competence. We're going to miss a lot of things, says Warren Buffett. Like investing, staying within our circle of competence should hold true for criticisms as well knowledge is power well written drew that was impressive thank you very much let's run the numbers cnbc.com forward slash markets why am i not doing futures because i'm late to the game today sorry guys it just kind of couldn't be helped uh, but where are we right now? Well, we've got a mix on the major indices. It looks like the S&P 500 is up, you know, a third of a point. Nasdaq is down 0.12. D, uh, Dow Jones is up 0.6. The uh, FTSE is up 0.02. Nikkei is up 0.7. Hang Seng is up 0.03. The Shanghai is down a half a point and volatility has plunged by 2.27 points in the markets. So I guess that's good for them. Uh, Let's see, yields. I actually have true yields on bonds right now. The 10-year is yielding 1.6%. The 30-year is yielding 2.3%. Those are both down the uh, five-year bond is yielding 0.8%. It's actually up slightly. The two-year also up slightly is yielding 0. 0.15. Is anybody negative? Uh, yes, the German 10-year bond is giving you a negative yield of 0.12%. Yay! Oil swinging for the fences today. West Texas Intermediate is up 2.9%. It's correcting from its uh, glorious day yesterday. Uh, which was actually not glorious at all. Natural gas is down 0.68%, uh, percent. 2. Point, uh, $2.90 is going to get you 1000 cubic feet of that. Gold down a third of a point, silver down almost a full 2 points, wheat, or not wheat. Copper is down almost a two uh, almost two full points. Let's talk about real money. Uh, what is it? Oh god. Oh, $37,902. That's the China fud. That's what we're ha- what we're going to have to deal with. And this may be new normal for a little while and i don't like using that term i don't use it lightly but we may just be in a situation for the rest of this cycle uh instead of going to like 200 300 thousand dollars and some people were saying five hundred thousand dollars, we may have to pivot and literally use all of our shred all shreds of our energy to combat mainstream media and I don't know how to do that. Honestly, I I don't, but we're at 37,900. So whatever it is that they're doing in the short term, ladies and gentlemen is working. We can call it FUD all we want, but the truth of the matter is this shit's working. They are shaking people out left and right. Now I guarantee you Wells Fargo's buying those coins so that they can give their rich and wealthy, uh, you know, accredited investors a shot at them. But all the people that are getting shook out of their coins they've been holding for a while, They're gonna get fucking wrecked. And they will have fun staying unaccredited. I don't know what to tell you. Our market cap is now down to $709 billion. We have had 223,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's just shy of 10,000 transactions per hour. 1.5 million BTC has been sent around the horn in that 24 hour period, with 65,000 BTC being sent on average per hour. 6.96% or 6.96 BTC is the average transaction value while 0.04 BTC is the median and that's about 1500 bucks. Block times are seriously high, 13 minutes and 13 seconds. 1.15 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 122 and a half BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period. We've had a 1.45% drop in the hash rate and that brings us to the woeful 145 exahashes per second, which by the way is three times more than we would actually need to have a secure network. That's my opinion. I'm sure there's somebody out there that wants to kill me for saying that, but. That's what I think, okay? So your your shitcoin indicator, as usual, is Dogecoin, 35 cents. Uh, I hope Doge Princess uh, did not buy in at 70 cents because if she did, she's probably going to end up being homeless. 72,000 transactions waiting on 89 blocks to clear. We are at, uh, let's see, we are at 5.72% of gold's market cap and we can now only buy... 19.9 ounces of shiny metal rock with our Bitcoin of which there are 18,715,104 and a quarter of Bitcoin. Now, Lightning Network. We have 1,332.05 BTC in the network and that's value has dropped to $49.9 million being run over 11,355 nodes that we can see and 45,955 open channels that we can see Uh, Percentage of torque capacity, all-time high, 60.8%. There are 809.76 BTC in the TOR side of the Lightning Network, and that is being run over 5,639 nodes that we actually know anything about. Now, taproot. Mining pools. Let's see, what do we got? 85.53% of all hash power in the world is pointing to activating taproot that ends up being 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 mining pools are signaling for taproot activation. And if I look at the overview and you can go see this at taproot.watch, that is taproot.watch, I'm seeing more and more and more rows of green blocks. I mean, a lot more. I've got one, I've got one row here that is I've actually got several rows here that are predominantly green and not red. This is good news, however, we will have to wait to see if this is going to activate during the next difficulty period, which is in about uh, seven days is what I'm being told here. So we've got another week, we're about halfway through this difficulty epoch. That's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup, which is probably more going to be like the afternoon roundup by the time this is released for you guys in the, on the east coast of the United States. Let's uh, talk about this FUD here. Has Sichuan power rationing impacted the Bitcoin hash rate? Okay, this is one of the other pieces of FUD that's coming out today. You need to be aware of it. Namsios is writing it for Bitcoin Magazine. Okay, according to local news outlet China Times, the state grid of Sichuan's Aba County issued a notice on May the 16th demanding energy-intensive enterprises in the area to temporarily cut down their power consumption, effectively rationing energy usage of any Bitcoin mining operations in the region. The local government set up the Sichuan hydropower grid to attract power-intensive industries to utilize excess electricity produced by the heavy regional rains during the southwestern Chinese summer. Consequently, the region has become a hotbed for Bitcoin mining operations, and many mining farms are usually transferred from northern fossil fuel power plants to Sichuan to take advantage of excessive energy. But this year's unusually warm month of May, coupled with the current low volume of rain in the area, results in a rapid increase in electricity demand from the general public, taking a toll on the grid's power supply capacity. As a result, the state grid has demanded that enterprises cut down on their energy consumption until further notice. Therefore... Bitcoin mining operations, which are abundant in Sichuan for its highly available and very inexpensive hydroelectricity, have been operating with limited capacity since the state grid reset. That's why we're seeing the hash rate drop, guys. Dad and some other miners are actually in the process of moving from one place to another. Although the correlation is hard to prove as causation, the Bitcoin's network hash rate has dropped by more than 20% in the two days following the notice, according to data from Glassnode. However, Bitcoin's hash rate almost fully recovered by the very next day and it is now just 5% below the pre-notice levels. Yeah, well they're dropping. They're they're fluctuating right now. Everything's in flux, which probably, you know, when you think about it in retrospect, it was probably not a good idea to do the whole taproot activation around the same time that miners were going to be moving their rigs. But you can't just see everything, can you? So I don't blame the I don't blame the people that that you know, decided hey let's let's do it here. Uh, they weren't thinking that you know actually let's wait until after all the miners get done doing all their mining moving bullshit. Anyway, so that's part of the FUD that's going on. All right. Now it's more more FUD here from Osato Avan Namayo from Cointelegraph. Hong Kong regulators set to ban retail Bitcoin trading Only millionaires will be allowed to trade Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in Hong Kong if the SFTB proposal is passed by the city's legislature. Hong Kong regulators have moved to ban retail trading in Hong Kong after months of intense speculation about a likely prohibition. According to a report by Reuters on Friday, The Financial Services and the Treasury Bureau of Hong Kong have released the results of its consultation on a possible retail crypto trading ban, which began back in November of 2020. As part of its conclusions, Hong Kong's FSTB called for a comprehensive licensing regime for crypto exchanges while restricting trading only to qualified investors. Per Hong Kong law, only individuals with portfolios of about $1 million U.S. qualify as Professional investors, ah, gatekeepers, making sure you stay poor forever. For the FSTB, the retail crypto trading ban is necessary, at least in the early stages of the comprehensive crypto licensing regime. The FSTB reportedly plans to present its conclusions before legislatures in Hong Kong to facilitate the passage of the proposal into law. And since we lost Hong Kong last year, Uh, Hong Kong fell to the communist Chinese parties. This thing's gonna pass. And when it passes, it's gonna be able to be recycled for a whole new set of FUD. Okay, you guys need to prepare. Get your dry powder ready to stack them SATs. If passed, the proposed licensing regime will also replace the current opt-in paradigm for crypto exchanges in the city. By limiting crypto trading in Hong Kong to persons with portfolios of at least one million dollars, the FSTB is potentially excluding up to 93% of the city's population from gaining access to cryptocurrencies. Several stakeholders in Hong Kong's vibrant crypto industry have expressed their dissatisfaction with the plan in the past, arguing that the move was inimical to the government's goal of encouraging financial innovation. Well, it's because they're, they're, they're not, it's are Chinese communist party. Hong Kong is lost. You're not Hong Kong anymore. You might as well be Beijing, pal. Several stakeholders in the Hong, Kong sorry, in another related development, Hong Kong's government is reportedly planning to empower the city's Securities and Futures Commission to withdraw the licenses of already authorized crypto exchanges, tweeting on Friday, Chinese crypto, crypto media outlet 8BTC News revealed that the SFC may soon be given power to exercise the right at will. Back in November, the SFC announced a proposal to expand its crypto oversight responsibilities beyond security tokens to cover all digital asset service providers. At what point does the citizenry of the world not start taking these people out back? Oh, sorry. I guess I shouldn't say the rest of that sentence. It's probably a violation of law to, you know, I don't know, instigate any kind of, I don't, you know, I'm going to continuously for the rest of my life always be amazed at what, eight, what, how many people are on the world? Let's call it eight, mil, 8 billion people. We'll let a few hundred thousand people do to them and just let it happen. We're overpowering them by like a hundred X. Timing is what it is. You can't coordinate it. And it would have to be a coordinated hit on all the governments of the world at the exact same time. And just like they they won't be able to do that to Bitcoin, we won't be able to do that to them. So therefore, that's few hundred thousand people are always going to rule us. They're always going to own our property. We will always be serfs on their plantation. And if that makes you feel sick to your stomach, good. That means you're a human being because that's exactly what it should make you feel like. Institutional Bitcoin buying has spiked around Wednesday's crash. Yes, that's how they get their friends, the accredited institutional investors, their Bitcoin. CoinDesk's uh, Omkar Godbold has it. Blockchain data shows large investors remain confident of Bitcoin's long-term prospects and continue to accumulate coins on dips, shrugging off concerns about the negative environmental impacts of cryptocurrency mining. See, they put out the FUD, but they don't buy it themselves. What they're doing is they're buying your Bitcoin that got shook out of your pockets. Wallets linked with over-the-counter desks registered an outflow of 10,292 BTC on Wednesday when Bitcoin tanked from 43 grand to 30,000. That was the largest single day outflow from OTC addresses in 3.5 months, according to data tracked by Glassnode. The number rose further to 11,000 BTC on Thursday, hitting the highest level since December 31st, and taking the six-day tally was nearly 35,000 BTC. Institutions, or large investors, typically make investments through OTC desks to avoid influencing asset prices on exchanges. Thus, outflows from OTC desks are widely taken to represent institutional buying. Large traders moving coins from OTC addresses to their wallets. The number of daily transfers from OTC desks rose to a record high of 245 on Thursday, marking a tenfold rise in six days. Quote, once again, there is strong institutional demand, end quote, Glassnode founders Jan Happel and Jan Allman said in a tweet, taking note of the spike in outgoing OTC transactions. Quote, whatever Bitcoin lows we will see this summer, they won't be for long, might as well huddle on through. "In quote. Institutions have exa- exhibited a strong buy the dip mentality this year. Yeah, it's because they're causing the dips. They know exactly when they're going to come. For example, the seven-day moving average of daily OTC desk outflows rose as the cryptocurrency suffered price pullbacks in the second half of February and after or Coinbase's debut on NASDAQ. The average more than doubled to over 5,000 BTC during the drop from May 12th, 58,000 to 30,000. The latest bargain hunting, uh, yeah, the latest bargain hunting is notable as it shows large investors aren't too concerned about corporate distancing from Bitcoin due to environmental concerns. The market mood soured last week after that idiot from Tesla. We won't even rehash that shit. As such, the uptrend fatigued market fell and witnessed the worst episode of selling since the March 2020 crash. While institutions remain bullish on the cryptocurrency, some analysts do not foresee a quick recovery. Quote, we believe that most of the leverage is out of the system now and Bitcoin should start to form a base here. Pankaj Balani, CEO of Delta Exchange, told Coindesk, quote, however, the sharp fall of 40% between Sunday and Wednesday has eroded confidence and it will take some time for Bitcoin to regain upward momentum, end quote. Exchanges liquidated nearly $10 billion worth of derivatives positions on Wednesday, leaving the market in a much healthier state than it was a week ago. Balani foresees a rise to 45000 or even 50000 heading into the monthly options expiry due next Friday but sees a deeper drop if support at 3600 is, or 36000 is breached. A conclusive break below that would signal that this correction is bigger than the short-term bull market pullback and all bets are off. At press time, Bitcoin is changing hands near 41,000. No, it's not. It's now 37,000, but whatever. Still up 40% on the year over year basis. However, regulation remains a critical short term and long term risk. Regulatory headwinds and global macro risk could weigh some more in the second and third quarters. Joel Kruger. Currency strategist at Lmax Digital said, quote, at the same time, I think if we do see additional declines below 30,000, that they will be short-lived. Well, we'll have to see there, Joel. We'll definitely have to see. Now in the win column for Bitcoin, uh, Jan Willem Burgers is writing this for Bitcoin Magazine. Dutch Central Bank is forced to backpedal on Bitcoin address verification procedures after they were bitch slapped by the court. Bytonic, the oldest Bitcoin exchange in the Netherlands recently had its day in court when the Dutch Central Bank uh, at issue was the legitimacy of DCB's. Hey, wow, that's my, those those are my initials. DCB's mandate that Bitonic and other Bitcoin exchanges and custodians operating in the Netherlands implement very stringent address verification procedures in order to obtain the legally required registration with the DCB. The judge's opinion in the case was generally favorable towards Bitonic's complaints, and on April the 7th, she gave the DCB six weeks to review its policy. Wednesday evening, the DNB formally acknowledged the legitimacy of Bitonic's complaints and revoked its mandate for stringent address verification requirements as part of the registration regime. The victory is crucial to the continued vibrancy and profitability of the Dutch Bitcoin industry the run up to the court case already started uh, back in may of 2018 when the european union passed the fifth anti money laundering directive or the amld5 this directive required the member of uh, the the member states of the european union to implement into their laws certain regulations for cryptocurrency exchanges and custodians broadly speaking amld5 demands that cryptocurrency exchanges and custodians perform background checks on their customer uh, monitor and report unusual transactions, and register with a relevant regulatory authority. Implementation of the AMLD-5 directive into Dutch law was somewhat chaotic and contentious to say the least. The main discussion point centered on the AMLD-5's mandate for the registration regime, which is requirement number three above. Initially, the government's concept or uh, implementation of AMLD-5 into law at the end of the 2018 called for a licensing regime, rather than a registration regime, the former is much more burdensome requirement than the latter. So they won, all right? So the, the Bitonic won their case in a Dutch court, like at their, you know, at the higher levels and the Dutch national bank or their, their central bank had to back down. This is good for Bitcoin. And it's like, again, like I said, with all the bullshit happening over the last couple of weeks, you know, we still get, we still get wins. We get wins all the time. In fact, it's not always bad news. It's just that the only thing that they will tell you about is bad news. You gotta you gotta find people that will tell you the good news too, because you sure cannot fucking count on CoinDesk, because is CoinDesk and Coin Telegraph and Decrypt have, are just at this point. I don't. That's why I read so many so much stuff from Bitcoin Magazine, because if I didn't know any better, I'd say CoinDesk, and Cointelegraph and Decrypt are the top three worst offenders of shitcoinery that I've ever seen. And it's not just their shitcoinery, it's their bagging on Bitcoin. Fuckers, you wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for Bitcoin. You remind them of that too when they start, they start pulling their shit and they always do on Twitter when they tweet out their stories. You make sure that they un- that they understand that you're not happy with their uh, choices in life and that maybe they should go rethink them. Now, in the weirdest thing of the day, I got Helen Parts telling me uh, from Cointelegraph about this. Agricultural fund provider, Tucrium, files with SEC for a Bitcoin ETF. Agricultural fund provider wants a Bitcoin ETF. I, let's figure it out together. Tucrim Trading, an agriculture-focused exchange traded fund provider, is planning to expand its ETF suite with Bitcoin. On Thursday, the company filed an application with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission to launch a Bitcoin ETF that would track a benchmark of Bitcoin futures contracts. Dubbed Techrium Bitcoin Futures Fund, the plant ETF is designed to provide investors with a way to gain price exposure to Bitcoin markets. Should the SEC approve the new product, Techrium will issue shares that trade on the NYSE ARCA stock exchange under the symbol BCFU. <laughs> Bitcoin, fuck you. The, the contract would be settled in cash. However, the fund may from time to time trade in other exchange-listed Bitcoin interests based on the spot price of Bitcoin, the application read, quote, because the fund's investment objective is to track the price of the benchmark Bitcoin futures contract, changes in the price of the shares may vary from changes in the spot price of Bitcoin, end quote. Headquartered in Vermont, Techrium currently provides several agricultural futures or ETFs trading on ARCA, including the Techrium Corn Fund, glad they put that first cuz you got to love the corn fund bro the techrium wheat fund techrium soybean fund and the techrium sugar fund and the techrium agricultural fund the news comes shortly after the SEC issued an investor warning pointing out that uh, pointing out the risks of some mutual funds with exposure to bitcoin futures the commission stressed that bitcoin is a highly speculative investment stating that the market is not properly regulated and vulnerable to fraud and manipulation now this is this is good news but i like how they ended because this is a coin telegraph piece by the way uh they had to end it with that fud that coin i'm telling you man i'm not sure about coin telegraph anymore i've asked on several occasions for you plebs out there get look if If you know of another news source that is not Cointelegraph or Decrypt or Coinbase, please, for the love of God, reach out to me on Twitter. My D, sorry, my DMs are open at B-E-N-N-D-77, B-E-N-N-D-77, just either DM me or throw, throw me a link in like just your regular Twitter feed and at me, I don't care. But I am looking for other news sources because I cannot, I can barely stomach looking at Decrypt's front page anymore because basically they've turned into NFT Central. Not shitting you, bro. Anyway, look, that's going to do it for the news today. <clears throat> Sorry it was late. If you guys want to help me out, uh, you can stream me sats the, via the Breeze Wallet because Breeze Wallet has installed a podcasting application inside of the Breeze Wallet, that's B-R-E-E-Z, and it's lightning enabled, clearly, and I have my podcast, the RSS feed has the information uh, in it to go to my lightning network, so I will be receiving your lightning payments through streaming my podcast directly, not through a third party, not, you know, no chicanery, nobody intercepts that shit but me, right? Or, um, you know, help me grow the show. You know, give me a five-star review on, uh, on Apple iTunes. You know, tweet, share, you know, tell your friends and family about it. If they want Bitcoin news and they just want to hear somebody read it, tell them to come to me and I will see you on the other side. Have a good weekend. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm and your host, home. David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.